and welcome to the Bucket Lister Podcast. Join your host, Keith Crockford, along with special guests who have traveled the world, here to share stories of their adventures and plenty of inspo to add to your bucket list. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Bucket Lister Podcast. Today, I am chatting with Emily Bailey. Hello, Emily. Hello, Keith. How are you? Very well, thank you. Now, I think this could become quite a, a bit of a controversial topic in terms of uh, Emily runs her own consultancy called Just Tourism. She's a, a sustainable tourist consultant. And obviously, I think in terms of the biggest issue here is, is, is tourism sustainable? Is it in terms of the environmental impact that... Um, tourism has on the environment etc and i just thought it'd be a really interesting conversation today to kind of get down into the nitty-gritty of it all and actually look at how is we as travelers can be more sustainable um within what we're doing and i think that's kind of the important thing because obviously i can't just sit there and say i'm not going to travel again um because we run a travel company so i wanted to get emily on today to kind of give us all a bit of a a lesson if you like in terms of how we can be more sustainable what is sustainable tourism it's not just a case of let's stop flying everywhere and help the environment there is plenty more to that so i think we should just get into the conversation and and see how we get on so emily do you want to give us a a quick rundown on how you became a, a sustainable tourism consultant yeah well thank you for having me on um So I started 20 years ago with a large adventure tour operator um, in the UK um, and had various jobs within the industry between then and now. Um, And the last two years, I've taken a bit of time out and done my master's in sustainable tourism. So it's always been something I've been passionate about. Um, and I just really wanted to go ahead and focus just on the sustainability side of tourism and make sure that basically we're just being good tourists, good travel companies um, and helping other travel businesses um, to put together measurable and robust sustainable tourism plans. Now, we had a quick chat before we came online in you know, one thing that interested me interested me with what you said was how you said we shouldn't have the word sustainable tourism. It should just be tourism. Do you want to give yeah, me a little um, bit of a what what you meant by that? So, um, yeah, so sustainable tourism um, is it's basically putting an adjective in front of tourism. Um, I've been around long enough to see it go from responsible tourism to sustainable tourism, and now we're going into regenerative tourism. So all of these things are how tourism should just be. It should be responsible, it should be sustainable, and it should be regenerative. So, yeah, so I'd like to, in the future, just tourism, just be tourism. And there are... There are almost like three pillars to sustainable tourism, isn't it? People might just have the impression that with sustainable tourism, it's all about the environment. It's all about we need to stop flying in aeroplanes. And that just isn't the case, is it? Because COVID completely taught us that. Absolutely. So um, 
the three pillars of sustainability. Um, personally, I'm not keen on the word pillars either because you can knock a pillar over and there'll still be two other pillars left. Um, they are the environment, um, social aspects and the economic impacts. Um, obviously, we took away the economic benefits of tourism during COVID and that had severe social and um, actually environmental effects. Um, there were bits that made the environment better but also if you think of conservation in Africa that's funded by tourism that was then taken away. Um, so the tourism industry and there's there is academic research on this has shown that we focus quite a lot on the environmental aspects of tourism but the social and economic benefits are huge as well. So, um, yeah, so I'm not going to stop flying. Keith, I know you're not going to stop flying. Um, we just need to think about how tourism works, whether we fly less, we consider taking the train to short-haul destinations. Um, Keith, we spoke before about when you choose flights for your groups, you tend to go for, if available, the direct flight. And that is a really good thing to do because the um, carbon impact of a flight is most at takeoff and landing. So if you do a direct flight, you're only doing that once. If you do indirect flights, you potentially do that two, maybe three times. Um, so, yeah, the I think we, we need to go beyond just thinking about carbon and the environment and think about um, how we can become um, more socially aware of the impacts of tourism and um, personally, I think tourism can make a big difference to the way people have an outlook on the world. So for us all to be kind of global citizens of understanding different cultures um, and different ways of living and different, um, yeah, you know, different languages, it's just it's so important that we we still know about all of that as well as being aware of our environmental impact, which is at the moment huge. Um, obviously this weekend we've just had the coronation and everyone's been going on about how King Charles knew about this 50 years ago yeah we did know about this 50 years ago so but it's getting to crisis point now and we just need to balance everything yeah I think and it was interesting as well what you know what you said before before we went live on the, on the podcast about how you know airlines are investing money in research and trying to find cleaner fuels electric powered planes etc and obviously if we take that money out of st stopping flying then they're not gonna they're the people that are currently investing money into those new technologies aren't they absolutely yeah so um i think i mentioned easyjet they they're one of the better airlines for um if you look at what they're investing in and along with um big airline manufacturers i can't remember which one it is um but they've got an option on more sustainable um, aircraft the airlines that have newer fleets tend to be a bit better um and there are small electric planes coming in um they're, they're obviously no good for long-haul flights but if you think of places like the um africa where there's quite a lot of short-haul hops around um between yeah, like the, the maldives for example like you yes know, yeah insulin island maldives. flights in the maldives electric planes that 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 is coming so but if we don't if we take our money away from the airlines they're not going to have the, the income to be able to um to be able to introduce those technologies 
So as a as a tour operator, then, which is which is in essence what we are, what what could we be doing to help this process to to become a more sustainable travel company? Yeah. So um, bucket list is it's been obviously been built on uh, from a sort of sustainable background, really, and you you can choose your local partners that are doing good things in destination and make sure that they are locally owned locally run that they're employing local people um and that they understand what they need to do in their locality to ensure that the um, environmental and um the environment is protected the, the culture is protected but equally that people are getting an income from tourism and I think that's, um, and I think that's important to say where we first met really was you were working for a company called the Adventure Connection, who you put us in touch with local providers. And kind of since we set up um, the bucket list company, we have been working with the Adventure Connection to introduce us to new destinations, new partners. And those new partners that you take on board to introduce would have gone through a process of making sure all that happened in the first instance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's there are big operators, worldwide operators out there that um, probably don't have that local partnerships that with these small businesses that are really acutely aware of of their um, the needs of the local local area. And I know you guys do choose the ones that really do care and really do make a difference. So for when people are choosing which tour operators to travel with, they it's important that they know who the local, not necessarily named, but know that there is a, a good choice going on by that operator. And that it tends to be the um, adventure operators are much better at it. Um, that doesn't mean that all adventure is sustainable, um, but it is a good, a good choice. And as an individual then who is looking to book a trip, how can they, obviously we discussed that they could look at direct flights, but what else can they be doing, even down to the simplest things, to become a more sustainable traveller? Yeah, so I feel like the most simple thing is, and it's not just bottles, don't take any single-use items. So we'll try not to use them at all. Um, um, it's thinking about, can you go for longer? Um, there were, they, I don't know if they still exist, but some, they used to be like weekend breaks to go and see the gorillas. Yeah. <laughs> so traveling long haul for a weekend. Whereas actually, if you travel, if you're going to go long haul, it's far better to go for longer. Um, uh, most of your trips are over 10 days, aren't they? So um, with, I guess with the option to extend um, while you're out there. Um Short haul, I know bucket lists have only got a few European destinations, but um, look at taking the train over flying. Um, you get a really lovely experience as well, taking the train. Um, you could, if you did an annual city break and an annual adventure, you could combine the two by, you know, taking the train across to Paris or Amsterdam, having your t um, city break and then going onwards to Southern Europe, Western Europe. Um and sometimes just taking that extra 10 minutes to research the people 
or the company that you're traveling with. So have they got a sustainability policy? Have uh, Are they looking at their carbon reduction plan? Are they aiming for net zero? Um, are they offsetting or are they actually making a difference? Um, so, yeah, there's lots of little things that consumers can do to um, basically choose differently and if they put their money with the right companies and the other companies that aren't doing these things will soon have to follow. I think that was really interesting because we work with a provider in Thailand and it's just, you know, they've got a brilliant sustainability project or program policy, how they operate. And it's down to the simple things like they won't use hotels that use the single use shampoos and conditioners that you get in every hotel. And once we, I started working with Steve like three or four years ago, it really made me look at what we were looking at and what we were booking to think actually that it's only a really small difference. But if everybody did the same thing, that difference would become huge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, looking at hotels that, um, and not just on the single use items um looking at food as well are you using hotels or going choosing a hotel that has a buffet for breakfast lunch and dinner and therefore creating a mountain of food waste um i know katie's been to the maldives recently um big resorts out there you can probably get steak that was angus steak from scotland in resorts in the maldives but why would you um so looking at what how even big hotel chains have got sustainability plans and a lot of that is around reducing food waste reducing consumption of energy so how much water they're using particularly in destinations where water is scarce um are they somewhere sunny and do they have solar panels on the roof so if there's two hotels that either a tour operator is going to choose or a consumer is going to choose directly one's got solar panels and one hasn't it's far better to choose the one using um greener energy um a lot of the big resorts again it's back to that investment as well that they a lot of big hotel chains do have the money to invest in sustainability so it's not ignoring the big hotel chains looking at the ones that are doing the good things um Local guest houses are and local accommodation are also great because more of them um, money stays within that community. Um, but also they will have a look at how they're operating within that area. Are they using local um, food suppliers? Um, are they doing a la carte meals so that there isn't that food waste? Um, yeah, there's there's lots to think about. It's almost too much for the for the traveler themselves to think about which it's very much on the tour operator or the um, hotel provider to make those changes so the consumer doesn't really have to think about it too much yeah I think it's it's how you relay that information as well and that's one thing that I know we we've been talking about is is how we share that information with our consumers because although it's front of mind with us and it's what we're doing we probably don't publish that and that information that much in reality and tell the story of what we're trying to achieve absolutely yeah and there is a move 
towards being more transparent, um, having measurable targets um, and producing annual impact reports. So um, an impact report doesn't have to be, oh, look how great we are. We can say, well, this is where we are now. And this time next year, this is where we want to be. Um, and that can be things like we want to reduce our carbon by so much so that by 2050, we're net zero. Or it could be that we know that this much money from that tour stays in the community, but we want to increase that by however much percent. Or we only employ five female guys all over the world and actually would quite like that to be a bit higher. And how are we going to do that? Um, and what is our target on that? And then the next year saying, actually, we did all right on these ones, but these ones we still need a bit more help um, to achieve, but still publishing that information. Personally, I think there's nothing wrong with saying, this is what we wanted to do. We tried, we haven't quite got there. So we're going to have another little go at it. Um, and for consumers to be able to see that, it's far better than saying, oh, we've paid thousands of pounds for a carbon offsetting. And that means it's fine because that's not fine. And, and there, there are there are so many stories on carbon offsetting that you know actually it doesn't really happen. Like, what is what's your viewpoint on it? My viewpoint is it's the final thing you do. So you don't just say um, you don't work out what your carbon was this year pay an offsetting scheme and there's some good ones there's some bad ones there's some mediocre ones and offsetting can be planting trees it can be um carbon removal schemes um it can be rewilding products it doesn't have to be like that one tree costs this amount of carbon because that's not true either because it takes 35 years for a tree to get to a good amount of carbon sequestration um so my thoughts on it are don't do it, but do it as the final thing. So you've measured what you're doing. You've looked at ways within your product or your tour um, that could reduce that. So it could be you've got an internal flight, whereas actually you can get an overnight train. So it's making those changes within an itinerary. Um, and then at the very end, um, making sure that you're choosing an offsetting scheme that's relevant for yourself for all your business um so it could it for, for key for you it could be that you've got a few around the world that actually in tanzania you donate to this charity because they're doing good things on carbon there in um jordan you're doing something else so that it's locally relevant as well or um have an away day with your team and go off with the um wildlife trust here or the um, woodland trust and plant a load of trees for them yeah and that's something that individuals can do as well, not just us as a business. That's something that they can look at following in the yeah. same way. Yeah, absolutely. For me, um, I live in the Chilterns and we've got a um, community interest company called the Chiltern Rangers. And they're an environmental company and they, um, I go off every couple of months and help them clear um, land so that um, all the new all the, all the new all the old biodiversity that used to be there can then come back um so it's not an official offsetting scheme but me and my family are going out and doing something that is actually making a difference to our local environment and you know the one thing that taught me in the Maldives was obviously um I 
there's the obviously I talked about this on the podcast last week about our trip to the Maldives. And we went and visited local islands and we spent money in the local community rather than on the resort. Um, because you know, the resorts are owned by hotel chains around the world. Um, they're probably not employing or local people, whereas on the islands, you know, you're you're being looked after by locals. The money is going back into the community. What can people do when they are visiting foreign countries to make sure that actually they are giving back? Yeah, so again, that's um I think it's important that the tour operators have taken the lead on that, that they are only visiting good um tourism um products um and ex- having good experiences and um making sure that they um have researched where the money is actually going um and actually that that community it's community-led tourism not community-based tourism so it's going somewhere and um getting involved with the community rather than going and watching it so it's so it's an interactive experience rather than a passive experience so it could be um a cooking experience um somebody showing off their culture and keeping um keeping traditions going as well and that's where the regenerative tourism comes in it's kind of keeping things using tourism as a means to ensure that cultures and traditions are kept alive and I suppose it's simple things like don't go and buy your dinner from McDonald's, go and eat in a local restaurant. Yeah. Like <laughs> absolutely, simple, yes. Simple things yeah. like that. Uh, yeah. And for me, um, particularly in cities, I have like a two street wall. So you've got your big hub of I don't know, I'll use Paris because I was there recently, um, around the Champs-Élysées, which you know, expensive. You walk two streets back, everywhere's empty and a third of the price. So yeah, it's having like just not getting necessarily sucked into the the tourist trail, um, and thinking more about how like how you would live as a local. Yeah, I think I think that's what we try and do on all of our trips is try and immerse those those experiences, like you know, cooking classes, um, you know, all of those things. Like even even when we were, I mean, I'm going, I'm heading off. Um, to the Lares trek to Machu Picchu um, tomorrow. And it's interesting that when you think of the Lares trek, it is so community-based and you were going to go, and, you know, we were, we were like digging potatoes with the locals last time and going and drinking, you know, in their local bars as we're wandering through and, you know, getting a real experience of it. But then, you know, they're getting money because they're, allowing us to have those experiences with them we're not sat there paying to watch them dig potatoes we're getting involved to 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 be part of it going into their houses having a cup of tea with them you know learning about the lives that they live but you know they are getting money for that to allow us to have that experience but at least the money is staying there within the community yeah absolutely and it's interesting as you as the bucket list company are doing the law race trek to Machu Picchu not the standard trail because that's another thing that people can do they can choose alternative alternative routes I suppose to what would be the normal tourist trail um so obviously over tourism was a big issue before covid um 
it went from over to no so there was it kind of fixed itself for a couple of years but it's you know it's coming back if you're looking at like city tourism go to I, I know I said I went to Paris and it was busy <laughs> you could go to like Marseille instead of Paris or go to um, Split instead of Dubrovnik or you know just thinking about how you're going to get that very similar experience but it not be as touristy and also having help like spreading your your tourism spend beyond the main hubs yeah brilliant okay well the great news for me is is i don't need to stop flying so thank you emily for <laughs> confirming that i did think we were going to kind of have a little bit of an argument on that one but i'm glad no. i'm glad that that's not the case um, but thanks for coming on. It's been really informative to understand. I know we're going to be doing some more work with you looking at how we can become more sustainable with what we do with the Bucket List Company. So thanks for coming on and chatting with us today. Thank you for having me. No problems at all. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you found that really interesting. And you know, look at what, you know, whether you book with us, whether you book with somebody else, whoever you're booking with. Um, you know, just have a look and see what what the companies that you're you're booking with are doing. And it's something that we completely need to do more of on our website because we are doing it. We're probably just not telling you quite well enough that we are. So until next week, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bucket Lister Podcast. Be sure to click follow to be alerted for next week's episode. For more travel inspiration, check us out at www.thebucketlistcompany.co.uk or follow us on socials. See you next time.